I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, man, what a weekend. Are you kidding me? Wrigley Field, my stepson and I, we ended up talking to the owner of the Cubs, stayed out too late. Yeah! Yeah! Old man alert this weekend. Old man alert. Oh, man, how are you? It is don't at me, and we are locked, and we are rolling on a freaking Monday. Are you kidding me? What a weekend. The NBA was rolling. Midgey gets 3500 How about that? I mean, that's a really big deal. I got a whole bunch of don't at me's, or I ain't mad about I ain't mad about a lot of different things that a lot of people are mad about, including a kid making, I don't know, $400,000 a year. I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about none of it. But the news of the weekend is getting ready to happen any minute here. Elon Musk is apparently going to take over Twitter. Now, here's the deal. As you know... I'm not one of these crazy, we got to have free speech, blah, blah, blah. I kind of sit back and I watch and I kind of laugh at some of the things that go on. And one of the things that goes on with Twitter is when they decide, well, we're not going to let you talk because we don't like you. That's the wrong way to be. I mean, I don't care, private, public company, whatever you are, if you're going to put something on a forum that is as powerful, then just, hey, look, open it up to free speech. Certainly, you don't open it up. Uh, I don't know, to profane speech. You know, you think about what's going on on Twitter right now. This just kind of hit me, or maybe somebody told me, probably the latter, not the former. But anyway, when you look at Twitter, you say something against, oh, I don't know, uh, Russian collusion. You get shut down. But you can have the most graphic sexual thing on there, and that's okay. I don't get the world we live in. I've said this many, many times. I don't understand it. But I do like the fact that Elon Musk is saying, to hell with this. We're going to go. We're going to meet. We're going to get. And he's going to own Twitter. I don't know what the big change is. And I'm not even sure I know Musk uh, uh, politics. I don't know. But I do know this. It feels like a win for people that don't want to be censored by the left. That's what it feels like. And we'll see whether that comes to fruition. But I think it's a great thing for most people. I think that even the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, had had enough, obviously, of his own company as he and the board got sideways. And now Elon Musk apparently is going to take over. It probably will happen during this show. I mean, it's 9 o'clock on the East Coast, you know, 9 to 11. Something will probably happen. Everybody seems to think that it is, and that's a really good thing. You just, look, one of the... I don't know if it's the best or the worst. I, I don't know. You, you decide. But one of the main things that came out of the Donald Trump presidency, and there were a lot, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is the only thing, but one of them that came out was a clear divide between left and right. A clear divide. Like, it made it okay for CNN to go totally anti-Republican, anti-conservative, because that's what Donald Trump was. And it made it okay for Fox to do the same. Although I do agree that Fox far more balanced. And reason I 
say this is for years, I would go to sleep watching either Fox or CNN. And then once it got going and Trump's the president, what happened all of a sudden? My God, if you listened over here, particularly to CNN, it was hate this, hate this. Everything the guy did was wrong. And I just didn't, it it was a sour taste, so I went to Two and a Half Men and 30 Rock. That is what came out of the Trump presidency, among a ton of other things. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure there are people saying, well, you're an idiot if you think that's the only thing. Never said that's the only thing. Just said that is a clear thing that came out of the Trump presidency. It was always veiled. It was always hidden. It was always assumed. It was always thought of that this side had CNN, right? This side, maybe Fox a little more fair and balanced. CNN always try to act fair and balanced, but then when the Trump presidency came, they just absolutely lost their mind. And now you've seen what's happened. Now that Trump's out of office, they can't get anybody to watch it, and they shouldn't. You got to be at least a little bit objective. You can dislike, you can spin, you can do it, but you got to be a little bit objective, I believe, in the world of politics, in the world of sports, in the world of social justice, in the world of everything. you got to be objective. If I'm sitting there with a camera in my face and I see a, a town burning down behind me, I don't think you can say it's a peaceful protest. I think by definition it's not, and that's where you lose people. You try to spin your narrative and you try to make people feel stupid. Like if I'm watching, you know, Sally Jones or Jimmy Jones or Jeffrey Bag of Donuts live from downtown Indy, we've got a peaceful protest going on and I see people throwing rocks and I see people burning down stuff. It's not a peaceful protest and it's over. People are done. So we shall see what we shall see. We, we, we shall see, number one, if it happens, which most are assuming it does. Number two, we shall see the impact. And the impact will be, I don't know, maybe it'll be immediate. Maybe all of a sudden, I guess Donald Trump is the barometer. We'll put him on and away you go. I don't know. I, I honestly do not know. But we shall see. And it's an interesting time. Sports, interesting time. I don't know if you saw this, but the Pelicans without Zion Williamson I mean, they end up winning by 15. It was closer than that. And a kid named Jose Alvarado, who I absolutely loved at Georgia Tech, just got into the you-know-what at Chris Paul, stymied him, stopped him, stripped him late, and ends up, man, I don't know. I don't know if he dominated the game, but I will tell you this, Alvarado was a main, main focus in this game. He was big time in this game. And I'm glad to see it. This is a winning kid. This is a kid that took Georgia Tech to the ACC Tournament Championship uh, during the COVID year with no fans in the stands. Last year, actually. It was pretty good. <laughs> it's really good. I love stories like that. Jalen Brunson loves stories like that. Hey, look, I get it. The best player on the court uh, is Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, what did he do? He dropped 30 last night. Vela Chunas dropped 26 and McCollum 18. But it was a defense, particularly into Chris Paul, who only had like eight. He was two for eight all day. It's fun to watch. I'm telling you, I'll keep saying this to you, and I won't stop saying it. One of the things that makes the NBA playoffs great is the crowds. I mean, these crowds are insane. And if you've ever been to an NBA playoff game, it's a freaking blast. Before I get to the rest of the NBA, salute. And I think we have the graphic here. Salute, Miguel Cabrera. I remember seeing Miguel Cabrera as a 20-year-old destroy my Chicago Cubs. I was there the day after Bartman did Bartman things. I was there the next day. Carry Wood on the stump. We knew we were coming back. Wood hits a home run. The crowd's dancing. Everything's going crazy. And then Midgey happened. I think that's what they call him. Miguel Cabrera. 
Oh, man. He was skinny. He was a third baseman, I think. And, man, that dude came up. I think he hit a two- or three-run shot. My dream of being there when the Cubs went to the World World Series had to be delayed till 2016. And I've always liked the guy. I always followed the guy. Here's what I did. After that game, everybody was leaving. I had to drive back to Bowling Green. It's a long story. But I stayed around because I really didn't want to be outside. People were nuts. Cubs were eliminated. The Marlins got them. Everybody was mad at Bartman. And I watched and stood around and let the entire Wrigley Field empty out. And I saw that Dontrell Willis and a couple of players had come out of the clubhouse kind of on the steps of the dugout, and their family had all gone down there, and they were celebrating, and out came Miguel Cabrera. So I kind of went down there and just hung out, and I got to tell you, I don't know Miguel Cabrera. I never met Miguel Cabrera. I really haven't followed Miguel Cabrera since this day. Well, I, I did for a while, and then he went to the Tigers. Tigers stink, didn't follow him. But he seemed like the nicest dude. Like, he's out there celebrating. He's just talking to fans. He was just happy. I'm sure at 20 years old, he thought every year we just go to the World Series and I had a three-run homer. But he just became the seventh guy in the history of Major League Baseball, 146 years of Major League Baseball, to go ahead and 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. 11 years, the guy had over 180 hits. I was kind of doing some math yesterday. I'm like, wow, man, he never, a couple years, I think he had over 200. That's just playing a long time and being consistently good. So congratulations. I always thought he was a really good guy. I did. I don't know. Maybe he's not. I have no idea. But as a college basketball coach at the time, watching how Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis, how they were, man, I liked them. It hurt that the Cubs lost. It was crushing, actually, that the Cubs lost. Other than my kids, the Cubs are my team. Like, my kids' teams and the Cubs, and that's pretty much it. It was devastating. But that's all right. Good for Miguel Cabrera. So I go to Chicago on Friday. My wife and I and my stepson, we go to Chicago. We're going to stay at the Zachary right across the street. We're going to go to Wrigley Field on Friday. We're going to go to Wrigley Field on Saturday. Lee's going to do games for the Big Ten Network, and we're going to hit it, baby. You know what I mean. You get me out at 60. I'm only 59. We're rolling. So anyway, Friday it rains. So we go and decide, all right, we're going to the Cubby Bear. We're going to hit some baseball because they got indoor cages there. So a lot of people there meet some people, and they're like, hey, Dan, can't wait for the Bulls game tonight. I got to know. The Bulls just had beaten the Bucks. Chris Middleton had just gone down. Chicago, I had so many people. There were a ton of people in and around Wrigleyville wearing or, excuse me, Bulls uniforms, you know, jerseys. There were, there were DeRozan jerseys everywhere. Michael Jordan jerseys are still hot. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, how are you? You missed me, did you? Look at me. Just look at me. I was giving you all the NBA stuff. But I'm going to move on to a segment that we like to call, I ain't mad about it. That's right. I am not mad about this. It comes from Jamarcus Ellis, who I had to suspend at Indiana. And, uh, you know, when I suspended him, he told me, Coach, I ain't mad about it. What are you talking about? I, I, I am a little mad about it. All right. First things first. A lot of people are mad about this. I ain't mad about it. Look, I've always said I don't care how much money college players make. I want them to make money. But I've also said, do not tell me that college players are not paid. Don't tell me that at all because they are paid. They're absolutely paid. So now we've got NIL money. NIL, name, image, and likeness, right? But it isn't name, image, and likeness. Everybody with half a brain knows uh, and knew what was going to happen. And what was going to happen is this. And I think it's a perfect representation of what is happening down at the University of Miami. University of Miami under Jim Laranega is ahead of the game, and they're ahead of the game because of a guy named John Ruiz. John Ruiz owns a company called LifeWallet. LifeWallet, he decided, John Ruiz, was going to fund athletes. I think every athlete was going to get like five grand, I don't know. And that's just kind of for starters. And women's basketball is involved. They just got the two most popular TikTok uh, twins, the Cavender twins, the transfer from Fresno State to Miami. It's simply a money deal. But the biggest announcement in this NIL, at least as an announcement, okay, there are other deals that are bigger. But this announcement goes to the core of exactly what this is. I am paying you to come here and play basketball for the University of Miami. I have a contract. Here's what John Ruiz of LifeWallet said. Breaking news. LifeWallet is proud to announce Nigel Pack has officially committed to UM Miami as a basketball player. The biggest LifeWallet deal to date. Two years, $800,000, a total of $400,000 per year, plus a car for a kid named Nigel Pack. Now, Nigel Pack was good enough, basically, to get his previous coach, Bruce Weber, fired. Nigel Pack was at Kansas State. And Nigel Pack is from right over here. I think he went to school, I don't know, 20 minutes from here in Indianapolis. And I say good for Nigel Pack. Uh, Nigel Pack averaged 17 three rebounds, two assists, go get him. And was good enough at six foot tall point guard to get his coach fired. So now this guy Ruiz says, hey, look, I'm going to give you a two-year deal. A car would have been enough, right? But a two-year deal, four and a grand a piece, and a car. And the thing that makes this deal different is this. I think when Nick Saban came out and said Bryce Young was making seven figures, we're like, okay. We've never really seen it thrown into our face like that. 
You know, we've never really seen it as a contract with a separate entity from the university. I think, at least for me, I know where I was. I was at Wrigley Field, and I saw it, and I'm like, wow. First, I thought it was, I didn't know who Ruiz was. I had forgotten. I thought it was Michigan. I'm like, go blue. There you go. And then I realized, wait a second, this is Miami. So I saw this as the first time this has been thrown right at me. Now, there's nothing, and I mean, let's be honest, there's nothing Nigel Pack is going to do for LifeWallet. LifeWallet, when you go to their website, LifeWallet powered by MSP Recovery, take control of your health through innovative technology, saving time, saving lives. All right, there's no benefit for LifeWallet for having Nigel Pack He's making more money than 12 Miami Dolphins football players are, by the way. So this is simply, hey, look, I have a lot of money, Ruiz does, the lawyer. I want to give it to Miami's players because I want Miami to be good. That's kind of where this is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think, I certainly don't have a problem with it. But it is going to be interesting, the reaction to Nigel Pack when he plays on the road or with his teammates. Look, if I'm sitting there grinding it out every day at Miami for the last couple years, and I'm a good player, and all of a sudden this guy comes in and he's getting 400 k in a car, and oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know this, but college kids, hell, uh, young adults, probably guys my age, well, absolutely guys my age, aren't afraid to flaunt their wealth. <clears throat> And I got to tell you, this is an interesting deal floating around the University of Miami. You got football players who probably, I would guess, have no respect for basketball players because football rules the roost. There's always this clash when you get on college campuses. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be interesting. And I ain't mad about it. Go get them. I hope my school, Indiana, signs somebody for however many. I hope so. I mean, let's go. Hey, if you're going to go, go big, baby. If you're going to go, go big. Getting paid, uh, all the work. Uh, this is Jim Tomlinson, all right? I'm going to get into Ben Simmons in a minute. I didn't really have it on my list, but I got to get into Ben Simmons. I ain't mad at Reggie Miller, Carl Banks, and others coming into, coming into Reggie, uh, excuse me, coming into Ben Simmons' life. These guys have been killing him. I'll read this later on in the show, what these two guys said. But I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about none of it. Hey, look, and I ain't going to be mad. I'll tell you the truth. I know they're just kids. But do you, as Nigel Pack, do you forfeit being a kid and become a professional when you take a deal like this? Do you open yourselves up? Now, look, people don't want to talk about kid like this the the basketball media ever since I am out of it the basketball media you know everybody nobody criticized players nobody criticized coaches and that's fine but the truth of the matter is does that change does that change and do you start moving into uh I don't know where Reggie Miller and others or maybe Billis or others start being overly critical of you as a college player because you're making this kind of money. I don't know. 
Tell you what else I ain't mad about. I'm a big fan of Shaq. Shaq went out and said, hey, look, I'll coach the Lakers. Damn right I'll coach the Lakers. I'll get this bad boy straightened out. I'll get it going. Mark my words. But here's the caveat. The caveat is you got to pay me $25 million a year for a four-year deal. How good is that? Yeah, Shaq. Let them know. See, I've talked about it on this show. I've said on this show, hey, look, you got to know what you got. And if you're going to bring Shaq back to L.A. as the coach, Shaq knows what he's got. What has Shaq got? Shaq got star power. What do the Lakers need? They don't need star power. I hate to say it. They got star power. What the Lakers need is somebody that can figure out how to live life with LeBron James and let's go. Period. That's what they need. Anything other than that, crap. Crap. They don't need star power. They need some players around LeBron. But I like what Shaq's doing. Hey, Shaq ain't working on the cheap. Shaq just say, hell, I'll go do another general commercial. They'll pay me 10 mil. Good for Shaq. I'm all in. I'm all in on knowing what you got. Guy like me, what do I got? I got squat. Shaq, Shaq knows what he's got. And I ain't mad about it, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't mad about it even a skosh. Tell you what else. Tell you what I ain't mad about either. I got a bunch of notes on this. I got a ton of notes on this. I am not mad at the NFL playing games on Christmas. They're going to have three. You know, last year, let me go through a couple last year's games for you. Last year, Indianapolis, Arizona, which was great for us in Indianapolis, right? I mean, it was fun. It got 12.6 million viewers. It was the second highest in the history of the NFL Network. Second highest. Now, those are two mid-market teams, right? That's not like a New York team against an L.A. team. Those are two mid-market teams. They're nice. They're fun. Let's go. But it's not like, oh, man. I mean, the Colts are all right. 500 team. Kyler Murray's interesting. Let me go the other way. Uh, The other way, last year, Green Bay over Cleveland. Now, think about that. Green Bay, smallest market, maybe in professional sports, beat Cleveland 24 to 22. 28.6 million viewers. Third most watched game of the year on Christmas Day. What else do we got to do? You know what I mean? Like, what, what? Christmas Day is normally for the NFL, or excuse me, normally for the NBA. Guess what? Screw that. They decided, they being the NFL, let's get in on this juice. Let's get 28 mil watching our game. It's a little more than the hundo of you that are watching this show, but hey, we'll build it and you will come. But I just thought, man, oh man, that's the smartest thing ever. So this year, there's going to be three games, two afternoon games, one on Fox and one on CBS, one primetime game on NBC. And I got to tell you, you got to do it. You got to do it. I mean, what are we doing on Christmas Day? We're opening presents. We're hanging out. We're playing with the kids. We're doing whatever. I don't know. If you're down in Florida, maybe you go golfing or play pickleball. I don't know. If you live in 
Indianapolis and it's snowing and it's blowing and it's crappy, I don't know. What do you do? You hang out. I think it's a great move. I, I Look, the NBA, really smart with their quadruple header or five-tuple header, really smart. And I got to tell you, the NFL, really, really smart. And there is no way in heck I am mad about that. I ain't mad about that even a little bit. David Bell, do you know the name David Bell? David Bell from Purdue. He went to Warren Central High School right here in Indy. David Bell, I think, is going to prove to be not the best wide receiver in this draft. There's some good Jamison Williams, Chris Olada, some good wide receivers. John Mechie I really like, although I don't know if anybody else does. But the fact of the matter is David Bell, whoever picks David Bell, I ain't mad at. Not even a little bit. Let me tell you about a kid named David Bell from Purdue. David Bell in high school played for a high school basketball coach named Chris Byers, a great high school basketball coach. And all the rage in Indiana was a kid named Romeo Langford. He was the rage. Like, he's the greatest player ever. I thought he was just a shoe guy, meaning he didn't play when he went to Indiana. He had a nice year. But he didn't play to win games. He played for his brand. He was the first, second guy, actually, that I ever saw at Indiana that played for his brand. Well, David Bell in high school, in front of about eight to 10,000 people, gets the ball with I don't know how much time left, three, two, four, goes, knocks it in, beats Romeo Langford. David Bell then wins a state championship as a basketball player after, I believe, winning a state championship as a football player. He goes right to Purdue. He could have gone anywhere in the country. He goes right to Purdue, becomes a starter, nine of, his, nine of the 12 games as a, as a true freshman, immediately in. Last year, he goes 93 catches, 1,286 yards, despite missing two games. He missed one with a concussion, and then he opted out of a bowl game. I will tell you this. David Bell, in my opinion, is the most sure-handed wide receiver in the NFL, or excuse me, in the NFL draft. David Bell's problem is this. He ran a 4-6-40. David Bell isn't a 4-4 guy, 4-3 guy. Anything over 4-5, as you all know, is a problem, and you may not be drafted on the first day. Let me just explain to you and whoever you is. If you get David Bell, I guarantee you when we revisit this conversation a year from now, let me tell you what you're going to be. Your toes are going to be tapping because David Bell will go up and make every catch possible in traffic. David Bell, I know he's not the fastest guy or so they say, but David Bell gets open. David Bell does not jack blank around. David Bell somehow, someway runs great routes, gets open, If the ball touches his hands, he catches it, period. He's not one of these guys that only makes, you know, right here plays. He makes out here, up here. He makes them in crowds. Mark my words as we move to the draft. You want David Bell on your team. Now, if I'm the Colts, I don't need David Bell right now. I'll take Chris Olave. I'll take Jamison Williams. I get it. Hey. Uh, What's a kid? Wilson, Garrett Wilson. I'll take those guys. I want those guys. I need a burner. Depends on your team. We got, we got Michael Pittman Jr. We got that covered. I'll take him in the third round. I'll take him in the fourth round. But don't be surprised if David Bell doesn't one move up from the fourth or fifth round into the third or second, and two 
a year from now, you're, if they redrafted, people would be saying, man, David Bell, pretty damn good. You heard it here first. Uh, Brady and Rodgers versus Mahomes and Allen in a golf match. I like these things. It's not till June they announced it the other day. I got no problem with this. In fact, I like it. It's going to be at the Wynn Resort, right on the Strip. Rodgers, four handicap, 4.6. Brady, eight. Mahomes, seven. And Allen, nine. Here's what I like about this. Whenever you involve Tom Brady, he's going to make it special. How? Because he's going to tweet about it. I don't know if he does his own social media. Hell, I should hire whoever does his. But he will tweet about it. He will make it fun. A lot of people say, I don't want to watch that crap. Let me ask you a question. What are you watching in June? Give it to What are you watching in June? Can anybody tell me? Uh, the NBA playoffs are kind of coming to a one. You got nothing. What are you going to watch, the Rays and the Yankees? I don't know. Yeah, I probably would. Actually, it'd be a good series. I'll watch the Cubs. I'll do whatever you'd like. But that's what I'm watching. Period. That's what I'm going with. And I can't wait. All right? Matt Corral. This happens every year. Every stinking year. Every year there's a guy. Every year there's a quarterback. Every year there's somebody that is out there that gets bad-mouthed in the media. This year's guy, Matt Corral, the quarterback from Ole Miss. couple of things. One, I like Matt Corral. Matt Corral did not opt out of his bowl game. Matt Corral said, no, hell no. I'm going to play. Why not? Like, well, I'll tell you why not. Because Matt Corral got hurt. Dude got hurt. And when you get hurt, guess what? Uh, everybody then starts questioning why well, he shouldn't have played in the bowl game. What are you doing? Why'd you play in a bowl game? Shouldn't play in a bowl game. Well, maybe they're right. So it was good to see Matt Corral back out playing. But here's the deal. Then all of a sudden, anonymous, and this drives me nuts, anonymous coaches from the NFL start bad-mouthing the kid. And listen to one of the things that it was bad-mouthed about. You ready? Matt Corral in high school got in a fight with one of Wayne Gretzky's kids and ultimately, I guess, ended up transferring high schools. Now, I got to tell you, that's one of the great things ever. Hey, man, we're not drafting you because back in high school, you got in a fight with one of Gretzky's kids. Huh? Think about this. Just, I always think this way. So if I was coming out of college and somebody said to me, yeah, and this did happen. Yeah, you know what, Dan? In uh, health class, <clears throat> this big lineman on the football team, he came at me in class and I punched him and I knocked him into a girl named Sherry Matthews. I gave him a black eye, all that kind of stuff. He called me a name. I got up. I said, what'd you say? He got out of his seat, he came at me, and I got the first punch in. You got to get the first punch in. So I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA, but if I was good enough to play in the NBA, are you, who are you crapping? Hey, I heard you got in a fight with a big lineman. Yeah, so what? Who gives a rats? You know what I'm saying? Why would anybody care about a fight from high school? 
Explain that one to me. Well, you know, he got a fight in a fight in high school. So what? I mean, I don't know. Is that a big deal? I always look backwards. So by the time I was a junior or senior in college, who cares about a fight in high school? But anyway, that was one of the things on Matt Corral. Now I'm really rooting for Matt Corral, right? I don't know the dude. I watched him play. He's in Lane Kiffin's system. So they made all this stuff about Matt Corral. Uh, you know, he's a system quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. That, that's all fine. But then the anonymous freaking sources went out and started this. Oh, he's a party guy. Well, good. He's in college. Nah, he's a party guy. Nah, we can't have a guy that parties. Why? And what is a party guy anyway? What, he goes to parties? On a Saturday night in college, he's not sitting in his room with the Christian or at the Christian Science Reading Room read, reading the monitor. What is a party guy? Explain this to me, will you please? Will somebody please explain to me a party guy? I was going to give you my phone number, 317-239-1070. Give me a call. Tell me what a party guy is. What the hell are we talking about here? As the great, well, every guy that ever grew up in Gary, Indiana would say, get out of here. Get out of here with that party guy. Hey, look, can he throw it? Can he sling the caca? Can he get it from here to there? If he can't, I'm in. If he can't, I'm out. That simple. What's the problem? Party guy. Good for Matt Corral. Tell you what we need more of. We need dudes that can drink till 3 in the morning, go out, throw four touchdown passes, puke in a bucket, and then go date a starlet. That's what we need more of in this world. We got too many fake good guys. They're all fake good guys. They're, they're what are they, 24 to 27 years old, and everybody acts like they're 50 years old? Nuh-uh. Don't, no. We need somebody that can go booze it up. What time's the game? All right, I got four hours sleep last night. I ain't losing this damn game. Pukes in the huddle, slings it around. 350 yards, bunch of touchdowns, and the next thing you know, I don't know, tell me a star. Britney Spears is hanging out with him. We need more of that in sports. That's more interesting than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's coming to the Colts, and none of you have seen Matt Ryan. That's what I'm going to talk about today on my show this afternoon. Hey, I got the Colts winning the division because I like Matt Ryan as a quarterback, but I ain't going to lie to you. They seen Matt Ryan? How have I seen Matt Ryan? Anybody other than the Super Bowl? You seen Matt Ryan? No, you know what Matt Ryan is. He's a senator. He looks like a senator. Like, a, these young guys, they don't understand what they have. Go out. But you gotta be good. You gotta be really good. Nah, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Stay in. Read the Christian, read the monitor. Go to the Christian Science Reading Room. Read the monitor. Tell everybody that, I don't know, you know what I do at night? Uh, I stay inside and play Parcheesi with my roommate. In college. All right. I don't know the timing on this show today because, frankly, um, I just don't because we've had some internet problems. But you can't tell me. Let's play the tackle in the Minnesota Timberwolves game. 
You can't tell me this isn't the best play of the weekend. It's a cat and mouse between that person and a security guard. And all of a sudden, boom, the tackling began. So here's, here's the background. Apparently, there are groups in Minnesota that are mad uh, at Glenn Taylor, the owner. They say that he cooks chickens alive. Okay? Apparently, he's got a chicken farm. All right, so he cooks chickens alive. And one person glued her backside to, <laughs> to the court. Another person tried to chain herself to the um, basketball stand. So this person, an animal rights activist named Sasha Zemmel, she actually was dressed underneath the cloak as an NBA ref. She was arrested. Glenn Taylor is the person she's protesting. Roast animals alive, that kind of thing. All right, but here's the deal. You can, you can see it on the video. The woman, Sasha, came down, or maybe it was her seats in the second row. The security guard was right here. And you can kind of see on the video, there's a tackle on the court. The security guard was eyeballing Sasha. She had eyes on her. Sasha goes running on, and I mean the security guard split the A-gap, made a flying tackle, and you saw the rest. It's the greatest play of the weekend. Midgey, I know you got 300 or 3,000 hits now. Awesome. Hey, Trey Young, the floater Friday night <laughs> over Jimmy Butler, fantastic. The defensive effort of Jose Alvarado against uh, Chris Paul, wonderful. Cubs scoring 21 runs with my big you-know-what in the stands, tremendous. But I got to tell you, the hit of the day, are you kidding me? The hit of the day was a security guard on old Sasha. Sasha thought she was being slick. She has a seat right there. But the security guard had eyes on, baby. Yeah, she did. She had eyes on. Sasha, now I looked at this yesterday. I thought maybe that Sasha was going to blow up, right? Her Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah, it didn't really happen. It did. She's at 500 followers. I figured Sash, you know, would. But I'll tell you what it has done, and this is always interesting to me. I like a good protest, and it has made people all of a sudden look at and say, well, wait a second here. Uh, what does Glenn Taylor do? I think people have done that. I do. I got to tell you something. Last thing. Last thing. And I didn't have this, and I ain't mad about it, although I think it's a bit unfair. Ben Simmons is being roasted, uh, maybe unfairly. Angel Hernandez, he of the worst strike zone. You know, a good, and a good Major League Baseball ump maybe misses three, four pitches during the course of a game. He missed 19 the other day, and Schwarber lost his mind. But here's the deal. That I, I ain't mad about losing your mind on Angel Hernandez, not even a little bit. I was actually at Wrigley when he threw Steve McMichael out for calling him some kind of vulgar name while he was singing the seventh inning stretch. But here's what I'm not mad about. Listen to this tweet from Reggie Miller. It's a picture of, I don't even know what Ben Simmons is dressed like. I have no idea. 
I'm not, you know, what do I, how am I going to talk about fashion? But Reggie Miller, at Reggie Miller TNT, come on, man, out for game four when it was rumored you were going to make your debut. This dude, this is the tough part, zero competitive fire. As small a chance as the Nets have to come back in this series, you still have KD and Kyrie. All you need is to win one game and take it from there. Here's why that's interesting to me. Because Reggie Miller is usually, I think, I I personally think, one of the most positive dudes. Like, he's kind of like, I don't know, Mr. Happy. He wasn't very happy in this one. Then, here comes, uh, where is Carl Banks? Now, if you don't know who Carl Banks is, Carl Banks was the opposite linebacker to Lawrence Taylor. Carl Banks was a bad man. Carl Banks says, so, yo, so Ben Simmons shows up with, quote, back pain today. This emoji. Let me say this is a true OG. Some in this generation of athletes ain't about that smoke. In love with the idea of stardom, but deep down ain't about swear word. Stop propping these dudes up until they do something. Oh, are you preaching? It's the Tracy McGrady rule. Tracy McGrady got propped up like nobody's business, got endorsements like nobody's business, and next thing you know, Tracy McGrady didn't do squat. Yeah, he made some jump shots. I know he's a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, 21 minutes ago, we're going to keep track on this, the blaze breaking Twitter is expected to accept Elon Musk's offer to buy the company. Yeah, there you go. So I guess free speech will be coming. All right, it is draft day. We are going to talk about the NFL draft. We're also, however, going to talk about Debo Samuels. Where is he going? Samuel, with my man, my main man, the great, not the good, the great Damon Bruce, live, ladies and gentlemen, from San Francisco. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, if anyone's still out there, welcome. We got the best guest you're ever going to hear, the great Damon Bruce. You hear him, you know him, you love him. Two to six, 95.7. The game in San Francisco. If it happens in San Francisco, my man is talking about it. How are you? It's great to see you, Dan. Good morning. Hey, good morning. It's great to be with you. It's uh, been a long time since I've seen you. I think it was, I can't remember if it was a game in assembly hall where I bumped into you last, or if you were out at the old ballpark here in San Francisco, the last time I saw you, but it's good to see you again, man. Congrats with all the success in your show and don't at me. And here you are now pissing off the entire internet every single morning. And that's good for business. Yeah, we pissed them off to the point they didn't want to work earlier today. All right, let's get right to it. Your Warriors win, and all, or, excuse me, your Warriors lose, and all of a sudden the Nuggets are saying they're beatable. What did you see yesterday? 
No, they're not beatable. That was a terrible game by the Warriors, and that allowed the Denver Nuggets to be in that game. Uh, Iguodala was awful. Otto Porter Jr. was awful. I don't think you're going to see any of the Suns' role players roll into Chase Center. Games like that, shooting like that. This has gone exactly kind of how I saw it. I said it was going to be a gentleman's sweep, Warriors in five. There's nothing off of that prediction that isn't tracking. Um, the Nugget, look, the Nuggets are a good team. The Nuggets really did through the, you know, pretty much yeoman's work uh, of Jokic get to where they are, but they're playing against a very deep team without two of their five best players. And that means they're, they're uphill no matter how good they're bouncing in the next game. Um, last game was the only night of competitive basketball that the Denver Nuggets really threw at the Warriors for more than a quarter. So uh, no panic at all. As a matter of fact, right on schedule. Hey, um, you tweeted out exactly what I was thinking. Otto Porter takes the ball out of bounds, and they're trying to throw a lob in. And, and, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got all these guys. Number one, Otto Porter don't need to be making the play. Maybe at Georgetown 10 years ago. Okay. But you got Curry, you got Thompson, you got Green. Just get the damn ball in and run a play. That's it. We don't need to go crazy here, did we? Run some action. Run some action. You don't need a lob or a Hail Mary pass. You've been cooking everybody on screens and pick and rolls all night long. Look for an open shooter. You got three guys out there who are shooting lights out. So, yeah, I, I thought it was an odd choice. The Denver Nuggets, everyone's seen the Jokic calling for the lob highlight from him on the sidelines. Like, everyone was all over that moment, except the Warriors. It was a poorly executed pass and play to an Andrew Wiggins who wasn't particularly finishing well that night. So, it was an odd choice. I know that in the, you know, world of temporary outrage, everyone's trying to cook Steve Kerr today here in this market. <laughs> Relax, everybody. They're, they're, they're going to go on to the next round. But that was, yeah, I mean, it was it was a bad sideline out of bounds play. Full stop. And if they could do it again, they'd probably do something else. Yeah, I mean, and if, it ha if they were in the same spot, they won't do it. I mean, that's – hey, let me go this route with you because when I talk to NBA people, man, they love the Suns. Everybody loves the Suns. I don't think you love the Suns without Devin Booker. I'm sure, you know, I don't know. I'm, I think they'll get through the first round. In in the pantheon of the West, are the are the Warriors the favorite? I mean, here's the thing. The Denver, or excuse me, the Phoenix Suns had the kind of season where they had so many numbers and analytic crunch numbers and crunch time performance numbers. Like, they were putting up the kind of numbers that Warriors fans were using just a few years ago to explain how good the Warriors were. So just to complete the logical loop, like you had to give the same respect, I thought, to the Phoenix Suns. They're very good, but without Devin Booker. I mean, whenever an NBA team loses a crucial piece at this time of the year, you got to rethink everything. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. So without Devin, Devin Booker, they're not the Phoenix Suns the same way that without Klay Thompson or without Draymond Green, the Golden State Warriors can't really be the Golden State Warriors. Um Let's see if he is back by the Western Conference Finals, if it really is going to be Warriors-Suns Western Conference Finals. I tell you, the Warriors match up well with the Suns with or without Devin Booker. With him, it, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, I'm, I'm in the make-no-predictions business about as wide open an NBA tournament as I can remember seeing, and all these little injuries that are popping up have just – 
I mean, it, it just muddled up any sort of prediction you might want to make. It's it's crazy how wide open this feels right now. You have the glorious Indiana flag right behind your even more glorious head of hair. And, uh, yeah. So common sense would say, well, you went to Indiana, so you're an NCAA tournament guy. That's what people say to me all the time. And I go, wait a second. You mentioned the tournament, the and the NBA tournament with the craziness of these crowds and the the level of play. I don't know, man. This is this is pretty damn good to watch. Let's put it that. I'm not going to compare. I, I like watching them both, but this ain't bad, man. This is pretty fun. They're two totally different things. I mean, they really are. The NBA and college basketball have branched off into they're almost. I mean, sure, it's it's the same sport technically but it's played so much differently as, as much as the college game wants to mimic the program at times, there just isn't a skill level there. It's funny. My wife who went to Cal, so she doesn't know anything about good college basketball for a real, real long time. <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll, she'll watch me watch an IU game and then flip over to an NBA game. And she said, this is just like, it's the difference between remedial reading and being in an Ivy league school. And it really is. It's, the game is so much slower. It's so less athletic at the college level, even the blue bloods compared to what we're seeing in the NBA. I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a more talented league top to bottom. I mean, everyone always had four or five really good players. You can extend that now to where 10th men in the modern NBA would have been all-stars just two decades ago. It's a, it's a staggering amount of talent in this league. And and that's what drives it. And it, that's what almost eliminates it from the one and done scenario that makes that makes the NCAA tournament so intoxicating. You need a series to figure out who's really got what? the better team at the level of the NBA. And I, I, I think that the, the one game play in tournament that they've kind of invented, uh, I fear change. Uh, someone who grew up a Cubs fan, I do not like change for the most part, but I got to admit it, suck me in man it's really good when you put a one and whenever you can jump right to a game seven in a series and that's what those play-ins are it's it's fantastic drama it really is the nba is my favorite show on television every night every i love the nba wow see i don't watch during the regular season but I, i've said this for years man I, I i mean i watch a little i watch the pacers you got to talk about them but I, I, man, you get me into the playoffs. I, I swear to God, like tonight, I'm looking at, well, okay, seven o'clock. I can't wait to see what happens with Durant. You know, to your point about talent, John Morant made a play the other night. And Damon, I swear to God, I, I thought I coached some pretty good players at Indiana. Bowling Green, we had a couple guys play in the NBA, coached against some girls. I never seen a guy make a play like this where he jumped on this side from like eight, 10 feet. And next thing you know, he went under and. I, and the announcers acted like, ah, it's just a normal play. And I'm saying to myself, no, no, this was unfrickin' believable. And it happens, every, it's like Major League Baseball. Every night, Major League Baseball players make unbelievable frickin' plays. Same thing in the NBA. Same, same thing, same thing. It's jaw-dropping talent, and it's, and it's incredibly here's, – here's what players don't get the credit for is how efficient everyone is now. I mean, everybody knows where their spots on the floor are. Everybody knows where your bad spots on the floor are, and they're trying to push you into it, and you're trying to push away from it. I mean, the amount of individual wars that are going on in each possession, it's fascinating. 
And look, I understand if you got to watch 82 games of Pacer basketball, you can be driven away from the product out here with the Warriors having a little bit of a a resurgence after two years off with so many injuries. It's like we got uh, it's, it's like we got the Golden Gate Bridge put back between San Francisco and Marin. It's like everything feels a little bit more normal with the Warriors playing outstanding ball movement team. I mean, that's what's incredible is how no matter what talent you have, how well or poorly coached you are, it, it basketball and having a system still matters. This is why Brooklyn is done because they have no offensive concepts other than I'm going to take a shot. Now you take a shot. And then let's just play laissez faire defense. Like when everyone has talent, when everyone has skill, now it's going to come down to who can execute it, who can stay disciplined and that's where the playoffs separate the men from the boys here. And that's why you're looking at a team coached by boys. The Brooklyn Nets is just fading into oblivion. I agree. I could not agree more. And I think you see the Celtics who are coached by a guy that understands we're going to knock the hell out of you. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Hey, I can't, you know, I know you got to run. I know you got a morning full with wives and kids and all that stuff, but did I One see wife, a party the other day? We're not where... that crazy in San Francisco. One oh, okay. Wife, All right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you, hear, you hear things. You know what I mean? You hear things. And it's it's the West Coast. We're here in the Midwest, you know. Uh, Debo goes to a party. Place goes nuts. He's staying. What's the latest on Debo Samuel? Is it was so? Did something happen overnight where he announced through an IG message at a party he's staying? I don't even. I have, no. The only time I checked Twitter today was to dial into your show. But look, I this is this shouldn't have gotten to this point. I mean, this is a player you sign. This is a player you sign. This isn't a player you rake over the coals to find the perfect amount of value in. Where can we fit you, slot you? Can we save a million dollars here? Can we defer? You just pay this guy. He's got that level talent. And for them to have reached a point where it feels like bad blood is defining what looked to be a match made in heaven relationship. It's just, it's ridiculous. I think it's, it's, it's short business. What are the 49ers need in the draft? Depending, I guess it depends on Samuel. It depends totally on Debo. They don't pick until 61. They don't have a first round pick. If you're asking me it's corner, it's edge rusher. They have to be looking there. And if something you know, crazy were to happen with Debo Samuel. At that point, you're obviously looking to fill two skill positions. I mean, that's how unique he is. This is the one draft, Dan, where everybody's looking for their Debo Samuel. So I don't know how the 49ers could really walk away from the official, the real Debo Samuel, looking for more Debo Samuel-y type of players. That seems nuts to me. So I think they get this deal done. I'd be shocked if they didn't. And, uh, and, and then, you know, 61, I mean, it's, you know, that's, if that doesn't have best available written all over it, I'm not a sports talk radio host. Who's the quarterback? Trey Lance period. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, it's, it's, it's time to change. I mean, if you're looking to evolve as a team and you have a player that you've given up so much draft capital to add, he's gotten his holding a clipboard red shirt year, which is a luxury that very few teams drafting a quarterback that high can even afford themselves. The Niners afforded it to them. And the only criticism with this young man is he needs more playing time. 
And there's only one way to fix that, Dan. You play him. I mean, that's it. That's it. When the only thing left is he's got to play more, play him. That's the way it goes. So, um, yeah, I mean, Garoppolo did the process no favors with the offseason shoulder surgery, which clearly slowed down any ability to trade him or move on from him. Um, they also want to do right by him. But, you know, I, I'm sure it's like this where you are, too. This, if there's one thing I know, it doesn't matter where you live. East, Midwest, West, doesn't matter where you live. North, South, East, it doesn't matter. Fans are impatient. I've heard so many fans say that the 49ers offseason has sucked. The draft hasn't even happened yet. I mean, don't stop talking about the offseason, which isn't even halfway over yet. There is an awful lot of time between now and week one. So everyone just needs to take a breath and let the processes happen. <laughs> we, we got kids going to Instagram to scrub themselves at teams before they've even started talking. It's, it's just oh. a weird world we live in. It really is. You get it. Do you understand? Hey, I do have Indiana. I, I, oh, God, yeah. Indiana as the Big Ten basketball favorite next year, but Hunter Dickinson coming back may put that, I don't know, but that's where I got Indiana, brother. That's where I got Indiana right now, and we're not even a third of the way through the offseason. So, hey, we're impatient. Hey, I know you got stuff, man. Appreciate 20 minutes with you. Sorry about the delay. No problem at all. It's so good to see you, man. Keep up the great work, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Anything from the West Coast, I'm your guy. You, you are always my guy. Thank you, Damon. Uh, that's Damon Bruce. He's the best. Anything you want to know in San Francisco, you just go to Damon Bruce. It's just what you do. I'm sorry, but you do. You go to, you go to his show like two to six every now? day. Do I, and what 90... do I do? Do I fade to black? Do yeah, you, just get, like... you just get you... – have you ever been on a Zoom? Hey, too many. I hate these just things. Just do me one favor. Don't don't Jeffrey Tubin it. Don't tube no, it. I swear just to don't God. Don't do that. No, anything I, anything I else. I'm shorts. I mean, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. <laughs> me 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 too. Me too, <laughs> See, brother. Great minds. Great minds. Cheers, Dan. Have a great day, pal. See you, brother. There you go. Shorts. You hit leave. And I know that much. I know you hit leave. Yeah. Damon Bruce, 95.7 the game. Great stuff, man. Uh, it is a draft like none other. Uh, it's just as simple as I can make it. This is the oddest draft, I think, I don't know, that I can remember because, frankly, uh, I don't think there is a single guy in it that you're going to say to me, we got our guy. I, and I mean, really mean it. You know what I mean by that? Like, really mean. I guess I should have left these in, huh? But I mean, really mean it. And I mean, go, hey, we got our guy. Like, Colts are the 42nd pick. I don't know who the hell the guy is with the 42nd pick. Shoot. Why would I mess around with this in the middle of the show? I don't know, but that's the show you got. 42nd pick, 41st pick, 48th pick, 61st pick. Uh, we got our guy. We don't have squad. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, when we come back, though, our guy. Uh, we did a mock draft here, apparently. Now, I don't, I don't know, but Armando Sagura is our NFL guy. And he put out his one and only mock draft. And that mock draft 
includes basically saying, hey, look, I don't know, Hutchinson number one, Thibodeau, I don't know, Willis is the greatest quarterback ever. Now, all of a sudden, he's bumping up. Matt Corral's not. I don't know. But I know this. There isn't a damn person in this draft that's going to get your fan base excited. And here's the reason. One, there's no quarterback. I don't care. You can make up that Malik Willis is now the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. You can make up whatever the hell you want. I don't care. You're making it up. Nobody in the NFL right now walks around and goes, hey, look, I got to tell you. We got the kid from Liberty. He's going to be our quarterback. Not one human being ever says that. And don't at me, people. You know, that kid from Liberty... He fell right in our lap. I got two words for you. My backside. So all this stuff, just stop it. We're going to talk to Armando Salguero, and we're going to talk about simply this. Who does he think a year from now, when we reshuffle this whole thing, is going to be the guy? Is it going to be Hutchinson? I don't know. I mean, I watched him play. Tell you this, so he got about 10 times better stats than the kid that played for uh, the Colts, Quiddy Pay, who was a first-round pick from Michigan. And I don't know, it looked to me like Hutchinson would be the one that was double-teamed, not Quiddy Pay, just me. Is it Thibodeau? I don't know. Here's my, here's my thing. I'm going with a guy that can rush the passer. I'm going with a guy that can block the rusher. Or I'm going with a guy that can sling it. That's it. That's it. We sit here with the Colts, and we got the sixth pick in the draft as a guard. Quentin Nelson. Yeah, but he's generational. Shut up. Generate this. Yeah, but we got a generational guard. No, we don't. Is there a generational guard in this? Let me, let me tell you why this is an uninteresting draft. I'm going to tell you right now, according to Armando, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, yeah, defensive tackle, cornerback, Offensive tackle, offensive tackle, cornerback, defensive end, left tackle, and finally a wide receiver. This may be the greatest draft in the history of football. I mean, I don't know. It could be. But when you got those guys at the top, it ain't the most interesting. I'm going to watch. Where? Do, all right, we'll get back into this. Where does... Where does, and I ain't mad at people for doing it. I'll tell you a guy that I would pick. When we come back, the first guy I'm going to ask, Armando, is about a guy that he does not have going until the teens. But I think he's a freaking freak. I do. I'll tell you who that is. We're going to come back uh, with Armando Salguera 
and his mock draft. And what I like about Armando, he waited, he watched, he talked, he listened, he phoned, he received calls. He didn't put out 10 freaking rough drafts on his draft. He just gave you mock draft number one, and oh, by the way, mock draft only number one. Hold on before I go. Let me explain to you where the first quarterback pick is, and this is why I liked Armando's too. He's got, unless I missed this somewhere, which I don't think I did, his first quarterback pick is not Malik Willis. His first quarterback pick is a guy that I think he's absolutely right on. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's called a tease in radio. His first quarterback pick is not until 19th and then 20th. So he has right now, excuse me, he has right now two quarterbacks picked in the first round. There you go. That's it. Me likey. You know what's else so stupid? Don't have two. No, 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 no. Don't have two or three rounds of mock drafts. That's just dumb. That's just real dumb. Nobody needs two or three rounds. You don't have any idea what's going to happen in the first round. Remember a couple years ago, all pro Darius Leonard was, was selected, and a bunch of people say it was the worst pick in the draft? Stop it, stupid. Be right back. Armando Salguera joins in a moment. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, there's a lot of guys out there that put out mock drafts. I'm going to tell you why Armando Salguera is my favorite, because he says right from the get-go, what follows is the outkick mock draft of which there will only be one, because we got as close to right as we could the first time. That's what I like. That's what I think should happen. I'm so damn good. I don't need 2.0, 3.0. There's no chicken blank here. There's no, well, no, I had him in my point. 3.0. No, there's one mock draft. You waited, you listened, you talked to, you studied, and here it is. If you like it, great. If you don't, screw you. That's it. Yes, Dan. I remember writing screw you on, on the copy. That's exactly what I did. The big F you yes. people. No, 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 no. I, I love our readers. Uh, but I want to thank all the people at OutKick, all the staffers who put all their sources together. And we came up with what we think is going to be a fairly accurate mock draft. And look, if you get sixth right, seven right, you're doing a heck of a job. But I'm comfortable where we're at. All right, two things. I think this is arguably the most or least interesting draft from a player perspective, but it might be the most interesting about who actually goes where. I don't know where this thing is headed. You've got Hutchinson, number one. Uh, Give me why him, number one, and do you agree with my assessment? 
Yeah, so I totally agree with your assessment. And the reason that I agree is there is no superstar that we know of in this draft. There's potential superstars, but there is no Andrew Luck. There is no Chase Young. There is no guy that we know five years from now will have four Pro Bowl berths to his credit. And so when you don't have that, especially at the very top of the draft, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of snoozing through this whole thing and everybody's going in all sorts of different directions because it doesn't have a face. The draft doesn't have a signature face. Having said that, so Aiden Hutchinson as the number one pick, look, he's safe. I, you know, he's not going to be uh, the next Reggie White, but he's going to be in the league eight years from now, nine years from now. He's going to give you seven, eight sacks a year, and he's going to try hard, and he's going to be good in your locker room. I mean, what else do you want out of a draft that has no signature face? Who's the most talented guy? You know what I mean? Right. So let's uh, let's go to the, the much-talked-about quarterback position. If you look at Malik Willis and just on pure arm talent, pure ability to, to throw the football, that guy has a lot of talent. The problem is, Dan, that he's very raw. He's not exceedingly big. Um, he's like six foot and a little bit, you know. So that's, that's problematic for some teams. He's a project guy, and it's going to take a while for, for him to cover, come around. Um, the other guy that had a lot of talent uh, that most people don't even have in the first round anymore is the outside linebacker from Michigan, Ojabo, because he tore, he ruptured his Achilles at his pro day at Michigan. And so he's very likely not going to play this year and if he does, it'll be sometime in December, maybe. So obviously uh, a great pass rush project who now is injured. It, it, it's, um, it's one of those things where everything that you figure could hurt the draft, it's happening. It's, it's absolutely happening. <laughs> um, so there's that. You uh, you like Kenny Pickett to be the first quarterback pick by the Saints. I do. Uh, <laughs> I can just imagine Jameis Winston tuning into the draft and, and watching them pick Kenny Pickett. He will go bonkers. <laughs> he will lose his mind because they need a left tackle and they need one very seriously. But where the Saints are picking, unless they're going to trade up, you know, they have two first-round picks. Unless they're going to trade up, they're not going to get one of the top uh, left tackles. And so uh, I've got Pickett going to the Saints because although Jameis Winston thinks he's a premier elite franchise quarterback, the contract that the Saints gave him doesn't say that. 
and his history doesn't say that. So the jury is out in that regard. Wait, I, I watched some stuff. I, I think Jordan Davis of Georgia is a freaking stud. Like, I think he is potentially, I'm not, you know, one of the one of the guys that a year from now people are going to say, whoa, 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 who, why the hell did we pass on him? Am I overrating him, the kid from Georgia? Uh, I love I love that you uh, picked him out because he was uh, he was great at the end of last season when it counted the most, when Georgia needed big games from big time players in big time moments, and he delivered against Alabama, uh, you know, in the playoffs, in other words. And so I've got him, uh, Outkick has him going number 13 to Houston because I think Nick Casario, although Nick Casario could also use some linebacker help and some offensive line help and some receiver help and some tight end help <laughs> and, some, and some offensive line help, uh, <laughs> I think he's going to like the tape on this kid <laughs> and, and go in that direction. And a quarterback. I mean, maybe Davis Mills is the guy, right? I mean, hell, if he's the guy, he's the guy. So you got to, I don't know, but I, I, I would have, I'm telling you, I don't know nothing, but I would have a hard time passing on that kid. I, I just thought that, I thought that kid and Derek Stingley, uh, I don't know. They kind of stood out to me. I know Sauce is the is the boss, right? Sauce is the guy from uh, the fourth pick. You have him going to the Jets, a kid from Cincinnati, uh, and I like him. But I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Stingley. Maybe it's just because I remember his dad, his grandfather getting hurt. And I, I was a Purdue fan back in the day. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But I do like Stingley, and and uh, Saucy's going third or fourth. So there you go. Yeah, uh, so I think we have Stingley going seventh to the New York Giants with their second pick. And the reason that I think that he doesn't go as the top cornerback in the draft, and he might, but the reason I think he doesn't is because of his uh, injury history and durability history. And, you know, I, I think that that's a big deal for a lot of, for a lot of teams. Um, as Bill Parcells famously said, uh, durability is an ability and availability is an ability. And if you're not there, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not there. So uh, I like them. I agree with you. But the history is a little sketchy as far as actually being there for every game. Kyle Hamilton gets a lot of play, doesn't he? A lot of people say never draft an interior lineman or a safety. Kyle Hamilton, kid out of Notre Dame, seems to be breaking that mold. I mean, he, he, you know, whether he goes exactly where you say or he doesn't, he's still going to be a first-round pick, which is odd for a safety these days, no? Well, you know, the NFL is kind of shifting around a little bit, and there's a there's been uh, coming for a while the idea that to have a good defense – you have to be strong up the middle. You have to be able to rush the passer. The way you got to be strong up the middle is interior, linebacker, and then the back end, safety. And obviously, uh, Kyle Hamilton is one of those guys that beyond his ability to play the game, 
he's just a leader. And he's a, you know, he's one of those, he's that guy. 10 years from now, we'll all be talking about Kyle Hamilton as the leader of whatever team picks him. And the guy that is the spokesman for that team. And oh, by the way, also the playmaker on the defense for that team. I'm sitting here in Indianapolis. We don't have a pick in the first round. We're 41 or 42. I can never remember. You got a ton of wide receivers going. We need a wide receiver like we need air. Number one, I want to go through some of these guys, starting with Jameson Williams. But number two, how deep is this wide receiver crew that maybe the Colts can get somebody that can come in and play in the second round? What happened to T.Y. Hilton? I mean – He's out there. He's available. He's 110 years old. Nah. (laughs) No availability. He's also very fast still and also very good still. I mean, obviously, the the dude's got to stay healthy. But, um, look, the reason that there's so many – that we've got so many wide receivers going in the first round, I think we have like five or six – is the wide receiver market completely changed this offseason? You've got wide receivers now making what quarterbacks made two years ago. It's it's crazy. Uh, they're making 20, 25 million, 30 million dollars a year. And so the only way to overcome that and not blow up your, your salary cap structure, if you have a good quarterback like a Matt Ryan which the Indianapolis Colts have, is to draft the receiver, get them young, which means get them cheap. And that's what a lot of teams are going to do. And that's why when the Colts come around in the 40s, all the top receivers will be gone. They're going to have to do a lot of work to find, uh, you know, I think the second tier receivers, the less obvious guys. And don't ask me who those guys are. Because I didn't, I didn't do that tape study. No, you very clearly said, hey, look, here's the first round. It's going to go one time. Kiss my you-know-what, and we're going to nail it. But I got to ask you about a guy, because I love this guy, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I've never seen him play, but let me tell you why I like him. He's six foot four. I have seen film on him. He catches a lot of stuff. And, oh, by the way, at 6'4", he runs a 4-3-6, which is, frankly, in this draft for the Colts, all I care about. I don't care about nothing. Just don't bring a slow guy. That's it. That's it. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are liking him. And, you know, it's funny when people say he's climbing up the boards. Uh, I don't ever buy the he's climbing up the boards because nobody ever looks at every single board in the NFL and can look at it. So how do we know that they're climbing? But what we do know is this. Uh, Watson is 6'4 and runs a 4'36, but he can easily, he has the body type where he can easily add 15 pounds of muscle and still be six foot four and run a four three six. Except now he's also a great 50-50 catch type player. And there are questions because obviously 
the competition that he faced, he didn't face the Alabamas, the Georgias, those teams. But look, uh, speed, it translates. And it's not, for him, it's not track speed. It's football speed. He's fast on tape. And so that's why a lot of teams, I believe, like him. Hey, let, let me back. Let me piggyback on that. Do people have competition questions about Malik Willis coming out of Liberty? Of all the questions that people have about Malik Willis, the competition question is one of them, but not the one. the The question on him is: Can he process? Is he more than a one-read quarterback? Is he big enough? He's only a little bit over six foot tall. And obviously that size, that, that, that experience, he's a very, very raw, raw, raw guy. He's not going to play his rookie year. Uh Trayvon Thibodeau, we haven't talked about him. Interesting dude, right? Loads of talent, chess player, that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on him? Would it surprise you if he went number one? He is, in my opinion, the most dynamic pass rusher of the group. And we've got in our draft pass rushers going one, pass rushers going two, pass rushers going three. And of (laughs) those three, uh, he is the most dynamic. People that I talk to in the scouting, you know, in the scouting industry, he sets some people uh, the wrong way, I think. Um, he's a little bit, the, the, the thinking is he's a little bit of an I, of a me guy. And it's, a, it's an acquired taste for some teams. Uh, and meanwhile, you have Hutchinson, who is salt of the earth, and, you know, kind of like confident, but not overconfident, not about himself. And so that that whole deal there is a contrast that some teams, they love Thibodeau because I believe, again, he's my guy. He's the guy that I would pick, number one. But that's not what I'm hearing from other, you know, the, the people we talk to. You know, you guys put this together, and I'm guessing this this is a consensus, and here's how I would look at it. Since your name's on it, you probably had the deciding vote and whatever the hell, you know, you figured out. Was there any other quarterback? And there's no running backs in here. Was there even a was there even a thought to adding a third quarterback or even one running back? Yeah, well, Matt Corral, who is by the way going to be in Las Vegas and and, uh, and so, you know, Dan, I am also going to Las Vegas. So feel bad for Las Vegas. I'm going to be there for four days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and maybe I'll get to the draft at some point. Um, right. the, the consensus is that Matt Corral is a, you know, a borderline first round pick. Look, Matt Corral to me uh, is uh smallish and he's a one read quarterback and again a project now will the Detroit Lions who have the final pick of the first round do they look at him and go yeah why not we've got Jared Goff and we don't know what Jared Goff is so let's do this they might 
but uh, you know, he he would probably be the the third guy off the board after uh, Pickett, Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh, and Malik Willis of Liberty. No running back. Yeah. So what's his name? Brees. Um, is it Iowa State or Iowa? I, I had the build. A lot of people are telling me that the Bills are going to draft a running back. Uh, and we went with, you know, the interior offensive lineman because we're not sexy. We just like, you know, the big, the big nasties. Um, but, yeah, there is one running back. I got to look at my notes. Uh, hold on a second. It is uh, uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall, exactly. So yeah. runs yeah. runs high a little bit, but a monster. But again, we've got him in the second round. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm looking at the kid. I looked him up while you were talking uh, here again because this is all I care about in the world. Four three at two a four three nine at two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, obviously, Iowa State, the Spiller kid, uh, good play. And I, I did like Kenneth Walker. He really came on after transferring. But, yeah, it's, you know, I, it, it, it continues to fascinate. And, again, there's no if there's no highly crazy we got to have a quarterback, I swear to God, uh, it is all offensive tackles, it is all pass rushers, and it is all, it is all corners. And that makes sense to me. I want to go back to something you said. Wide receivers getting paid like quarterbacks. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is that guy. So as we look at it, are we going quarterback? I'm talking about just being paid now, Armando. Quarterback, wide receiver, next would be left tackle, then next would be cornerback. Is that how this is setting up in terms of who's getting paid? Well, uh, definitely quarterback, wide receiver, yes, cornerback. Edge rushers, remember those? Uh, I mean, this edge is a rusher. year in which, yeah, edge rusher. And so Von Miller got a $140 million contract, for God's sakes. Um, so, and he's, <laughs> and he's like 33 years old, um, 32 years old. So, uh, look, going back to the, the conversation we had about the running back, the NFL has made it very clear that it is going to be about one thing and mostly one thing, and that is passing the football. And if you're about passing the football and the game is skewed towards that, you have to be able to have the quarterback and the receivers and the, the protection to do that. And if you've got that, you've got to start defending it because otherwise, you know, those 13 seconds that the Buffalo Bills had against Kansas City, it wasn't because Josh Allen isn't a good quarterback. It's because they didn't have a way to defend the pass in the final 13 seconds of a game. So they went out and they got a closer in Von Miller, whose job it is to say, no, 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 no. These final 13 seconds belong to me, Patrick Mahomes, not to you. And that's the answer. That's the game that teams are playing. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if you, I've always said this. If you can't rush the quarterback, you can't play in the NFL. You're going to – other than you better go get 40 points. You know, and there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, but I, I, I do – I think it's fascinating how, 
man, you go from got to have a running back, got to have that, you know, to no, no, no. The less sexier positions are being sexy. All right, let me ask you this before I let you go. Very impatient world that we live in in the NFL. We, we pretty much know that. Um, who do you like going into the draft? Uh, which team do you like that has, in your opinion, made, I don't know about the best moves, but some really darn good moves in the offseason? So, look, a lot of people are saying that the AFC is now loaded because, you know, especially the AFC West. Have you noticed who the quarterbacks are in the AFC West? I mean, Justin <laughs> Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr. And, oh, um, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson. It, I love what the Denver Broncos have done this offseason. They also added Randy Gregory. So they've got the pass rusher and the Super Bowl-winning quarterback. And they already had a pretty good defense, by the way. Um, the Dolphins went out and did some things. They, they added the receiver in Tyreek Hill. They added Teron Armstead from the Saints, so they've got the protection. I'm not sure about Tua all that much, but we'll see. They are. I'm not. We'll see who's right. Um, and, and clearly, Indianapolis – what did they lack? What was the reason that they did not make the playoffs last year? Was it because their defense wasn't good enough? No. Matt Ever, you know, Eberflus got a job as a head coach as a result of the work that he did with that defense. Was it the running game? No. They have arguably the best running back in the NFL last year. And so the offensive line is fun. It might have been the quarterback. It might have been the quarterback that they traded. And then they got Matt Ryan. And I just love what they did. They got rid of uh, Carson Wentz before they knew Matt Ryan would ever be available. It's like that is a boss move right there because how do you dump your current girlfriend without having, you know, prospects of a new girlfriend down in the pipeline? And they did. (laughs) They did not. And yet they found a hotter Older, but hotter girlfriend, which is amazing. I, hey, you're preaching to the choir. I, I just hope they can find a, I hope they can find a wide receiver and I hope Stephen Gilmore or Stephen Gilmore, I hope he stays healthy. That's, you know, you know, what's funny. I only have a minute or so, but honest to God, I've watched every Sunday and you know, the one team that I don't think I've watched in five years, or at least since the Super Bowl, is the Atlanta Falcons. Like I thought, I thought they're the most uninteresting team. So people always ask me about Matt Ryan. I go, I don't know. He looks like a Senator. So that's good enough for me, man. I don't know. I think people are going to see exactly how good Matt Ryan really is. He got, he got a bad situation in Atlanta. They just bled talent left and right. And oh, by the way, three coaches in the last few five years or so. So yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was time to to move on. But Matt Ryan, I think will be a very pleasant surprise for the Indianapolis Colts. I used to tell my players this, my father used to tell me this every time I went out, Armando in Vegas, avoid arrest, whatever you got to do. Just avoid arrest. That's it. That's the Dockage family. I'll do my best, Dad. Avoid arrest. Thank you. Thank you for that advice. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, my friend. Yes. 
Hey, that's sound advice. What people look at me. One of my players at Bowling Green got mad at me one time. He's like, you can't say that, coach. I'm like, ah, avoid the rest. Armando's great. Uh, go to outkick.com, read them, read them on Twitter. He'll get about nine of these right, probably, maybe ten. Uh, because he did it smart. He listened, he paid attention, and away you go. Hey, I uh, gotta thank Ryan and uh, Dylan for hooking us up. We had a we had a bad storm here last night at the crib, and apparently my uh, my internet was not great. It was acting up as we started. I was very unhappy with my internet, but we've persevered through. All you guys, El Presidente, Jennifer, Van Pastor, Man Joe to the Sea, everybody that's on the YouTube chat, thank you. Thanks for hanging in here with us. Our numbers got pretty good as we went through today. Tomorrow, Bobby Carpenter is going to join us. We're going to have you covered for the draft. Jim Nagy is the executive director, former NFL Super Bowl winning scout. He's going to join us, executive director of the Senior Bowl. Nobody knows these players like Jim. So Jim and Bobby are going to join us. We're going to get you set. Uh, those of you, let's jump on over at 12 o'clock, uh, 107.5 The Fan. Uh, always, we're on Twitter. And ladies and gentlemen, I do a TikTok video before every damn show. That's right. We're on TikTok. Hey, have a great afternoon, everybody. Hey, by the way, I didn't get into this. But I was watching Get Up this morning, and some, one of my favorite guys is Tim Legler. But when Tim Legler, Jay Williams, and Mike Greenberg said that Steve Nash isn't part, at least partially to blame for the Nets, my backside. Here's what they need to do tonight. Put Kevin Durant in the post. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Guys, thanks for everything. Thanks for listening. Dockets, you know this. Out.